And welcome to our second hour of the broadcast. And if you're someone that has ever had a student loan, and I myself, I had to get student loans to go to college. A lot of people have to do that today. But back in the day when I did it, it it wasn't anything near what people are borrowing today. I think my student loans all together, all together were like around 10,000. And I paid them all off. There was no problem at all. I paid the student loans off. But now you're hearing stories of people with student loans into the six figures. I'm saying $100,000 in student loans, $200,000 in student loans. And that's just the beginning. You, you're not even factoring in the cost of interest. And if you default, there are additional fees and on and on and on. And uh, one of our good friends who's been with us over the years, he's an expert on all of this, the founder of Student Loan Justice, Alan Collins, is with us. Uh, Alan, it's so good to have you back with us uh, tonight. And there's so much happening in the world of student loans. Good to have you back with us, sir. Oh, Jim, it's good to be with you. I'm just getting connected now. Oh, no worries. You're good. I can hear you now. So make sure you're not listening on the oh, uh, the stream because it's a delay of about 20 or 30 seconds, I think, just depending on, I, on how yeah, things I'm, go. I'm figuring that out now. <laughs> no worries. Oh, thank you. No worries. Okay. okay, good to have you with us. And uh, uh, I, I tell you, I, I every day. I mean, every day there's something in the news about student loans, and you and I have been talking about this now. You've been with us for several years uh, talking about this. And the one story that which I wanted to ask you about, are you familiar at all with – I'm really excited about this. The New York uh, State Attorney General is now suing the Fed loan people over student loan forgiveness. Did you see that story? Yeah, that's right. It's it's not just the New York State Attorney General, it's other attorneys general as well. And, you know, the federal government has, has been advertising for years that if people worked for a nonprofit for 10 years, then their loans would be forgiven. Well, last year was the first year that these loans were supposed to begin to be forgiven. And it turns out that of over 40,000 people that thought they had you know, qualified for the loan forgiveness, uh, fewer than a hundred actually got <laughs> their loans forgiven. <laughs> so this is like 0.7% or something. It's not as bad as like the winning, the, it's not as bad as winning the lottery, but it's, it's not far off. I mean, it's, this is supposed to be something. It's not far off. <laughs> yeah. This is supposed to be something where if you, you go to work for a nonprofit and you have a student loan and you file the paperwork every year after 10 years, it's supposed to be forgiven. This it should. It's sort of like you don't know, file your tax return for ten years. It is not supposed to be 
something that is is tricky and 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 I'll tell you my wife ran into this because she has a student loan from when she went back to school to get her master's degree and the first 4 years of her in in this program they totally just took it away they said oh well you were filing the wrong form well every year she called them and they told her to file that form and 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 it's almost every year she has to she'll call two or three times and talk to two or three different people, get two or three different answers to just confirm like, hey, am I now in year whatever? Am I doing this right? And it's it's worse than calling the IRS because the IRS will at least like try to give you the right answer. These people are so evasive. It's almost like they don't want you to know how to get student loan forgiveness. Well, you hit it right on the head, Jim, and what happened to your wife is happening to everyone. The The dirty little secret here is that the Department of Education has no desires and really no intentions of canceling anybody's loans. They just don't want to do it. And I could write a book on how bad faith the Department of Education is. Uh, in fact, I actually have. But <laughs> let's just say um, that... Uh, the Department of Education doesn't want to cancel any loans. They would much rather that student loans fall into default so that they can attach penalties and fees and so forth. And so uh, what, what you just described was um, probably your wife having to fill out employment certification forms. This is an annual onerous process that the department and its contractors, um, Fed Loan Servicing and others, they make it as hard as possible. And the fewer of these forms that they accept every year, the less money ultimately they'll have to pay out in these in loan cancellation. And so now we're seeing the first round of results, and it is just horrid. Um, and, you know, I might add, too, that the people that are getting disqualified out of these programs, they're usually left owing far, far more money than when they came in because most of them are on what's called income-based repayment. So they're expecting to get the loan forgiveness, and so they make you know the minimum payment that they that they can, and in the meantime, interest continues to balloon their loans uh, up, and so this is just the worst government scam. And I hate to talk bad about the federal well, government. But uh, well, hey, really I don't. Uh, we don't. We don't hate. A big we don't hate to talk here. bad about the government here. That's one of the. That's one of our favorite things to do. <laughs> uh, but in any case, um, what you just said. It, 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 let me let me add something to that too. So, so somebody might have. Let's say you've got fifty grand and you're expecting. It's like you're expecting like this this Christmas present. Okay, so Christmas morning comes and and not only is there nothing under the tree. Right. But then you hear a knock at the door and it's someone serving you with a lawsuit for uh, double what you thought you were getting for Christmas. Now, you owe. I mean, and that's literally you you, you had a fifty thousand dollar debt. You went to work for a nonprofit organization and maybe arguably you could have made more in just a for profit uh, you know, opportunity, but you you chose to go to a nonprofit job to make that that maybe lower wage, so that after the ten years your loan would be forgiven, and maybe you had fifty thousand to begin with. So after the ten years, maybe now you owe a hundred thousand, and you're not getting forgiveness. <laughs> I mean, that's literally what can happen to people, isn't that right? That, that's exactly right. That's exactly what's happening to literally ninety nine point something 
percent of the people who are trying for these forgiveness programs. It's it's insult to injury. And, you know, remember, Jim, there are no bankruptcy protections for these loans. Eighty percent of all student loans, they have you over a barrel. And, uh, you know, the government is profiting something like seventy five billion dollars a year on this program as it is. But this, uh, you know, this predatory lending power that they have, they are using and abusing. I mean, there, it, it has become a national threat at this point because it's not just the people who are trying for the public service program. It's all of the forgiveness programs. It's the income-based repayment program, uh, Obama's pay-as-you-earn program, uh, the revised pay-as-you-earn program, and on down the line. It's it's just the worst sort of government and, and you know what, Alan? There's there's and, and really there's yep. nowhere people can go to find help on this. My wife, we we actually got some advice from an attorney. She was able to learn that there's an ombudsman that you can go to, um, but but in there, there there's no student loan. I don't know, uh, like consulting type uh, law service or legal service. It's it's like people are on their own. It's the ultimate David versus Goliath. And the, the, the more horrid stories that you've shared with us are grandparents and parents that are, are involved where they co-signed on loans. And now they're they're on the hook into retirement for loans that they signed for to help their grandchild or their child. Yeah, that's exactly right, Jim. And, you know, there is sort of a cottage industry of people claiming to be student loan counselors, student loan debt coaches, and so forth. But they really can't do anything for you that you can't do for yourself. And unfortunately, you can't do much at all on yourself, uh, for yourself. <laughs> that's what we because found as out. I said, all avenues have, all avenues have been blocked. This is the worst. A predatory lending system that really exists in this country because of the absence of those fundamental bankruptcy and statute limitations that I mentioned. Um, so, so they've got us over a barrel, and you know I can only hope that people out there will realize that um, you know uh, scenario and and you know this is really by design. Uh, and, and it's just horrible. It's and horrible there is no, there is no, and, when you call that number to the student loan people, because my, my wife has, has no, no, no uh, exaggeration. She has actually on many occasions hung up with those people and was crying because she just became so frustrated, so exasperated with the whole situation. So the first four years they took away from her because they said she had the wrong kind of loan. Like, so she had to like, just like, signed some papers and then her loan was called X and, and before that it was called Y. And so it had to be like a different form of a, of a loan or something. It, it was just like, well, why didn't you tell me this, you know, four years ago when I put in my first employment verification and started doing, yeah. well, well, we don't do that. We, we basically, we just let you like walk off the edge of a cliff and we don't, we don't have any, you know, signs up warning, you know, don't do this. And the people themselves there, they, they seem nice, but they seem to be more confused than, uh, you know, the, the individuals calling there. And, and what's kind of the warning for tonight, I, I love talking about the problem, but I, I love mostly what you do is like warning younger people. So if, if you're listening tonight and you have a young person in your life or you yourself are a young person soon and you're looking at, at getting student loans, you know, think about this. Um, you know, your student loan amount is going to be higher than any other uh, group of people that have ever had student loans because every 
year it goes up, just some dramatic figure way beyond inflation. And if you're going into this, not really thinking about how you're going to pay it back because you think, well, if I get a college degree, I'm going to have a really great job and an income to pay it back. And I'm going to go to work as a teacher or a nurse, or I'm going to you know, join the Peace Corps, whatever you're going to do in the nonprofit world to take advantage of that. So many people, Alan, I've talked to, um, because we've got these folks on my social media, whenever I bring up the student loans, they say, hey, no free lunch. If you went to college, you should pay your own tuition. And, you know, and that's a big thing I know in the right now in the campaigns, everybody's arguing about it. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But we're, we're talking about really, I mean, textbook fraud. When you say to somebody, hey, look, if you borrow this money and you go to work as a teacher or a nurse or a, a doctor in a nonprofit hospital or whatever, you know, nonprofit road you want to go down, you're not going to have to worry about this. So just sign all these papers and you'll be able to get out, you know, work for 10 years in nonprofit. You'll be able to get rid of it. It's not like people are looking for a free lunch. I mean, they were promised this. And this was maybe for a lot of them, one of the largest reasons they agreed to take on the loans to begin with. Isn't that right? Exactly right, Jim. And and believe me, there are hundreds of people uh, in and around the Department of Education who knew full well what they were looking at. You know, they had been overseeing this program for uh, years and years and years. And they have known for years uh, what was coming down the bike, how many people were actually eligible, how many people weren't. And they could have done something. They should have done something to warn the citizens that they had to have a certain type of loan uh, to qualify for this problem. But an omission, that is, in my view, I, I think that's probably a, a litigable act. I mean, that is... Uh, that is gross negligence of the program. So so I point the finger of blame certainly at the servicers, but really the Department of Education bears the lion's share of the blame for this. And as I said, you know, I've been following the Department of Education for many years, and they are not good faith actors. They just are not. Uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, the finger of blame really needs to point directly uh, to them and they simply can't be trusted. Alan, what's, I'm sorry to have to say that. what's going to happen with, uh, like these lawsuits, of course, we don't know the outcome, but they're suing not the actual government, but the loan servicer, which is called fed loan, if I understand it right. And, are people being given an option to be a part of a class action or opt out of a class action? And what are they actually looking to get? Like, are they suing Fed loan, the servicer to like pay off everybody's loans for, for mishandling it? Or what are they actually seeking? I actually don't know what remedy they are seeking at this point. There's a, there's a flurry of lawsuits. It's the state attorneys general. There's also, um, there's a bunch of lawsuits and, Having seen these lawsuits come and go in the past against the Department of Education, against Sally May, against Federal Service, and many others, uh, I can tell you that it's going to be a very long process. And at the end of the day, there is no guarantee. In fact, I would bet against the borrowers actually getting any sort of relief. Um, you know, it's very the way they've constructed the line of responsibility. Fed loan servicing can point to the federal government and saying, well, you, they, it was their job to, you know, inform the borrowers. And the Department of Education can point back Fed loan servicing, and it can just be one big uh, bunch of legal nonsense. Yeah, and these lawsuits years. can. And at uh... the end of the day. 
these lawsuits can end up taking years, like you said. Do you do you know examples where someone was able to go to the ombudsman or an individual just filed like their own lawsuit or arbitration or complaint with 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 some organization? They were able to get some kind of relief from being mistreated. I don't know of even one. I know a couple that have been filed, uh, but those cases are still in the discovery process. Uh, and who knows where they'll end up. Um, there's so Jim that, you know, the department of education ombudsman's office, um, as of a few years ago, uh, we learned, and in fact, we broke this story in the media that the people that were actually running the ombudsman's office were actually contract employees to one of the largest student loan collection companies in the country <laughs> called ACS. <laughs> and I'm laughing, but it's really not funny. I mean, this is the worst sort of conflict that you can imagine. Um, ACS, and they called the ombudsman's office complaining about ACS. Well, you know, what kind of service do you think yeah, they got? Yeah, that's, and that's scary knowledge, to know that. Even, yeah, and even still today, I believe that, that that is still the case. So be very careful with the with the ombudsman's office. It, it is not a neutral. That is shocking. I, I, for some reason, I thought it was just sort of like some, I don't know, maybe like a former congressman or somebody was appointed to kind of set up like a, a like a, uh, you know, citizens rights type of a group and office to. But that's not the case. Uh, so let me talk about like what's going on right now with all the uh you know, the, the campaigning and everything. And I had read something, too, on Facebook where you had moved, I think, to Iowa for the purposes of being able to interact conservative myself. I, I don't like the idea like, well, just college is just going to be free for everybody without even explaining how it's going to be paid for. But I like that actually better than the current arrangement. But is there something like in the middle that makes sense to you that we need to do about college costs right now and then also what any right. of these candidates are suggesting people that have like the almost two trillion in student loan debt yeah great question jim and i'm 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 inclined to agree with you you know these promises for free college that we're seeing well first of all all they really are um, if you really look at the plans, and this goes back to Hillary Clinton last time around, all they are is throwing more tax money at the colleges, fees, health fees, book fee, you know, every fee. They can make up fees. You know, colleges can do what they want. Yeah. And, and they can find a way to just capture that wealth without passing along any kind of benefit to the students in the form of fewer loans or anything. So I'm very uh, skeptical and quite suspicious, frankly, of the calls that I'm seeing for free college. Now, you know, Bernie Sanders and uh, Marianne Williamson and others, they are calling for the elimination of all outstanding student loan debt. Um, and, you know, I would, as a student loan borrower, I would obviously love that. But again, I just don't think that's I don't think that Congress will pass legislation like that. And quite frankly, you know, there's a lot of people in the world who are making great money and, you know, they can, pay, they can afford to pay their loans and they're quite happy to and so on and so forth. So, so I don't necessarily see that that's really the appropriate solution. Uh, but I think the middle ground, as, as you, as you say, is that 
you know, at a minimum, these loans have got to be made at least as fair as every other. Yeah, loan. like what about interest? So, interest free? You still have well, to pay you, it back. That's but, a great point. Yeah, but we're gonna we're just gonna take away well, the interest because these young people they don't realize they're borrowing, let's say fifty thousand. They they don't get that that is going to be like a hundred thousand dollar debt at some point. They, they think they're just thinking in terms of the actual principal debt. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, when they first rolled out the federal student loan program in 1965, President Lyndon Johnson, he declared in the signing ceremony that the loans, the student loans would be interest free, said free of interest. And so I don't know how we got from, well, I do know, but it's a long story, um, how we got from there, no interest loans to what we have now, which are student loans up to, you know, nine, 10, even 11 percent in some cases. Um, or even higher for private student loans, um, I, you know, something has gone awry. You know, this is a government program that has just crept, uh, grown and crept and got worse uh, and worse and worse. So, yeah, certainly going forward, if we're going to even have a student loan system, uh, my inclination is to say that it should absolutely be interest-free. And, um, you know, the same bankruptcy protections that exist for every other type of loan, uh, really have to be there for student loans because it's only with the threat of bankruptcy returned uh, that the lenders will behave in at least a minimal of good faith because right now they're behaving in just the worst. Because they know that you can't and, get rid of this loan and if they can get a co-signer on the loan so that your grandparents are involved or your parents are involved, they've got, you know, three generations they can chase all the way to the grave and beyond uh, to, to get their money back. And so um, what about, um, are there any uh, websites, if, if people go to Student Loan Justice, is it studentloanjustice.org, is that right? That's right. Yeah. Do you have any like official? Hey, I recommend this this uh, website or or this person. Or uh, I know your book was came out a few years ago. But for like people that are actually facing, they're in default right now. They don't know what to do about that. Uh, things like that, or they've got a dispute with a. Uh, you know, with a loan forgiveness situation, um, is is there you, you hear about uh, these ads sometimes on Sean Hannity, some of these radio shows where you can call in if your student loan is in default and we will help you. What about any of that? Oh, Jim, those are all huge scams. And I want, I hope that people listening to this who have defaulted loans will listen to me very carefully. There's a, there's an industry, a racket in this country called loan rehabilitation, where if you've defaulted on your student loans, you can pay these people for 10 months and then they will rehabilitate your loans into a new healthy loan. So <laughs> this is a very predatory thing. It's, I, I don't recommend it to anybody because what they do is they take, say, your $50,000 defaulted loan. They will recycle, and then you pay them for 10 months, all, none of which goes actually towards your loan. And then at the end of that process, they will recycle your loan into a new, shiny $100,000 loan or maybe even more. Uh, and they, those people convincing you to do that, walk away with a 16% commission on that transaction. So they walk away with a check for $16,000 off of your back. You walk away with a loan that's, you know, probably double, uh, what it was initially. And these quote unquote rehabilitated loans, 
they wind up in default again, something like 75 or 80% of the time. So so people out there, be very, very careful. There are, there are people advertising everywhere that they can there used to be a term, with your uh, student loans. There used to be a term about scams. I think it's called shark baiting or something like that, where what a, there's a certain kind of scammer where what they do is they go after people that have already been scammed. So if you've already been scammed, call me and I will help you. And then they scam them a second time. And, and, and the theory behind oh, these God. scams, the theory behind these scams is, well, if this person got scammed once then they can get scammed again so they're a good prospect for me to scam them in my shark baiting uh, scam and there are people that actually that actually do that and that's what this sounds like to me what you're describing well it really is it's really it's really um explaining a vulnerable population who yeah they've already fallen into the trap of default and, and, you know, believe me, the servicers love defaulted loan. They can make far more of a default than a non-defaulted loan. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know if it's called phishing or what the term is, but it is just – it represents the worst of Yeah, I think it is. I think it is spear phishing. I, I, I think you, you might have the, the, I mean, the, the better term. Um, yeah, it's people, people that can't though. sleep at night. I mean, people that can sleep well at night, the sociopaths, you know. Um, now, now that you're yes. in, now that you're in, you're in Iowa, is that right? Is that where you've relocated to? Yes, I'm in Story City, Iowa. So correct. have you found by being there any productive, like actual real discussions with politics time i ever talk to a politician it's always like they they want to shake my hand and just like nod their head and agree with what i say and then nothing happens i've never really actually felt like i was actually reaching a real person when i was talking to them that it's just like when they're in that campaigning mode it's just like really shallow and here's the phone number to my office you can speak to one of my aides this kind of a thing and and i'm never able to really crack through and actually have any type of substantive discussion how how has your experience been and and who have you talked to and if you can if you can mention any names or anything and and what the uh kind of the reaction has been to, to your information Sure. Um, I've had pretty good conversations with almost all of the candidates at this point. I still haven't spoken with Joe Biden, although I did have a very long discussion with his granddaughter. Um, but it, it is a lot like you say, Jim. But the only difference is I'm here in Iowa for four months. I see these candidates over and over <laughs> and over again. And I probably repeated myself three times to most of the major candidates at this point. And so... Over time, you know, uh, we will nail them down. And in fact, I've, I've had really good conversations with uh, John Delaney and uh, Andrew Yang uh, and um, Tulsi Gabbard, a couple of others. Uh, however, it's going to be very tough. You know, these these are Democrat politicians, and while they claim to be on the student side. Um, there's a lot of other things going on with the Democratic Party. So so it's going to take a long time, I think, to nail these folks down. Um, what we're pushing them for now is uh, a pledge that they will, by executive order, call on the Department of Education to stand down on opposing bankruptcy filers in court on student loans. And if we can get that executive, that pledge from even one of the candidates, I think the other ones will probably follow along. Uh, but, you know, my real hope here is, quite frankly, that Donald Trump 
will simply issue that executive order. Right. You know, he could do that. Very he could do that issue. now. Um, he absolutely yes. could do that now. And he that could do it tomorrow. And that, and that would change everything. And, and he, he, yes, he would be draining the student loan swamp. And, you know, Donald Trump himself said before he ran for office, you know, it's a shame that the government is making a profit on student loans. He said, you know, of all the places the government shouldn't be profiting on, you know, student loans would be it. And so, and we've got some strong connections with the Trump administration, the inner circle, and so on and so forth. Um, so obviously I can't say anything right now, but but I, I'm somewhat guardedly optimistic that Trump may, um, may come through. And, you know, uh, if, if, if it's in the cards for Donald Trump to pull the rug out from under the Democrats, well, then uh, I say so be it. Um, because right now our politics is just so broken, you know, getting Congress to do anything on uh, student loans or any, you know, legitimate issue is – Harder and harder and harder as the months go by. And I, you know, I, I throw this uh, um, encouragement out to people that um, uh, people who know my story, I had uh, money saved for my kids to go to college and I became the victim of an embezzlement scheme and I lost everything, including the money that right. I had uh, for my kids. I had to use that for us to live. This was many years ago, but I got three kids and went through college and, um, you know, two of them ended up with some student loan debt. And one of them did not. And the one that did not, uh, she just moved back home with us to go back to school to get her master's. And she's working full time and she's just paying as you go. And she won't have any student loans even from this. So so she did it with no student loans. And I, and I talk to more and more young people who are able to do that. But sometimes it's maybe taking a little bit of a different road. You know, instead of moving on to campus, maybe, you know, you, you live at home and go to a nearby campus instead of maybe doing it in four years, maybe you take five. Um, you're, you're, ha you have to work a little bit harder, think a little bit differently to go with no student loans. So this daughter, she got her associates the same time she got her her uh, high school diploma. She went to a dual enrollment program with the local uh, community college and got the AA at the same time as she got her, her high school diploma. So she came out with the two years already done. And with local community college, service in the military, a lot of different things you can do today to be able to keep that cost down. And it, it's sort of like with medical costs. Um, you know, I, I've always in recent years carried higher deductible plans. And so I, you know, I, I call around to find like, what's the best way to get this medicine or, you know, how much does it cost to see a doctor? And, and, and you can get good deals on things if you shop them out. But if you go in thinking, you know what, money doesn't matter. Just put all the paperwork in front of me. I'll sign it. I'm going to live on campus. I'm going to take the meal plan. I'm going to do You know, buy all brand new books. I'm going to just, I'm not going to work. I'm just going to fund it all through these loans. I mean, you can end up, uh, are you hearing, I'm hearing people with a hundred thousand, 150,000, thousand just for bachelor's degrees oh absolutely yeah the numbers are just astonishing you know we're seeing people come out of community colleges and vocational schools with forty fifty thousand dollars easy um the 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 big numbers are this the average day is leaving school with on average about thirty nine or forty thousand dollars in student loans and that's up from, say, you know, uh, maybe $11,000 at the beginning of the century. And so the numbers have just skyrocketed. And it is harder and harder to, to take the path that you described, you know, go to, going to a community college and, and um, so 
so on and so forth. It's harder and harder to do that without taking loans. But if you can avoid taking out particularly federal student loans, uh, I that is my number one best piece of advice to give the young people. Very good. Do you have a new book coming anytime soon? Your last book, uh, I loved it. It was it came out. What maybe was it uh, 2013 or 14? No, it actually came out in 2009, believe it or not. Okay, and, uh, wow, even even you know, further the, the back. Book. So you need to do another book. Yeah, that that's my yeah. that's my uh, advice to you. Uh, have you put that book, you know, and and uh, do an audio version of it? Do you have an audio version of that book? There is an audio version. Um, you really have to talk to my publisher about the, all the ins and outs of that. But but I think you're right. Um, I think it's absolutely probably time to revisit that. Issue. Yeah, I, even I've like been, just uh, doing shorter yeah. books like like maybe 50 page books on like just different parts of this and doing like the Amazon create space, self publishing and ebook publishing and all that just to, cause our, I mean, I can't tell you how many people every day contact us for our website, just looking for information. And it's more and more the grandparents and the parents that are sucked into this whole thing, which you don't hear people talk about that very much, that it's not just this poor young person who went to college and has all this debt. But, but a lot of times it is the parents and even worse, the grandparents who are into their retirement years and now they're facing uh, the uh, they're looking down the end of a, of a gun barrel of the, of the government coming after them. They can't go bankrupt. They're coming after their Social Security money and everything for this student debt. Yeah, you know, that's one of the dirtiest tricks that has ever been played on the citizens. You know, in 2005, the banks promised that if Congress took bankruptcy protections away from student loans, they would leave, they would lend to more needy students and they'd be friendlier and kinder, et cetera. Well, Congress went ahead and did that, and instead of doing what they said, they started demanding creditworthy cosigners as mom, dad, aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas for over 90% of their new loans. And even on the federal side, the quickest growing category of all federal student loans are parent plus loans, where the parent or creditworthy parents uh, get the loans for their kids, typically, or maybe grandparents as well. I'm not sure, but... Um, that's exactly what's happening, Jim. Um, the, the lending system has found a way to put mom and dad, you know, the family nest egg on the chopping. And, you know, in the absence of bankruptcy protections, it's it's really we're, we're starting to get calls from people who literally have lost their homes uh, and been forced to sell uh, their real estate because of their kids' student loans. And, you know. I mean, taking a couple steps back, I really don't think that college should be so expensive in the first place. I mean, it shouldn't be such a life or death decision uh, for kids. You know, I, I don't think that as a country, there's no reason that we should be, you know, putting a, the barrel of a gun to our students' heads and, and freaking them out at such an age when, you know, college should probably cost about a third of what it does today, if I'm being honest. You know, that's the, probably the rational price. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're even seeing public colleges, public four-year colleges charging forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year or more. And it's, it's just nonsense. Um, the colleges are, are simply way over. You just think to yourself, how and, can you possibly justify a charging one single student $50,000 a year? It, it, I, I can't even – I was, uh, I was uh, melting down in my first segment about Disney and their prices now, you know, to go to Disney. But Disney uh, right, is yeah. nothing <laughs> compared to this. I mean, 
you know, dollars yeah. $50, for one year and you're just well, one kid. It's not, I mean, for 50000 you think, well, you could hire like a private instructor to come to your house every day and personally teach you all this information. You could hire a, a team of <laughs> private instructors. I mean, you could give them limo service even. It's it's disgusting. And here's what the colleges do, Jim. It's, it's really pretty clever. They'll go to the state legislatures and say, hey, you people have cut our support. Look. Um, you know, 20 years ago, you provided 50% of our operating, and today you only provide 5% of our operating expenses. You cut, you cut, you cut. Well, that's not true. I mean, those numbers are true, but the fact of the matter is that the states have been increasing their funding to colleges over the years, roughly with inflation. It's just that the colleges are spending so much more money now on brand new buildings, on climbing rock walls. Some schools are even putting in water parks these days, I've heard. Uh, they're paying their college presidents millions of dollars in some cases. Um, they're building brand new athletic facilities and so forth. Um, that, you know, what they're calling a cut by the state is really just uh, their own exploding budget. Yeah. And I mean, some so, of these colleges like like so, UCF, my son went to UCF and they have what's like an NFL stadium there on campus. And when you walk away from the stadium, it looks like you're on Main Street of Disney and are all these like restaurants and bars and everything like it, it, I'm like, w yeah. what, what's going on here? This is supposed to be a college. I mean, it looks like you're in a theme park or something. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, even, and UCF says UCF is a pretty good school. Uh, even go to, you know, any of the schools, the, the community college, the vocational technical institutes uh, and others. And you see class A architecture, you see marble and uh, granite and, you know, ar archways, just interesting architecture. I mean, these are these are facilities that they don't contribute to the teaching and the learning. You know, the great works of Shakespeare haven't changed. The mathematical principles of Archimedes and others have not changed, right? Um, history has not changed. All that's changed is how much money these colleges are spending. And uh, I, I think it's time for the colleges to be reined in. You know, a lot of people on the far right talk about just getting rid of the lending program entirely. And as time goes on, I can't say that I disagree with them. Well, right, because um, then know, the it's have, like with uh, health insurance, because now everybody has health insurance people don't even ask what things cost and then why you know if, if you got to think about it, if you're the provider and you have a customer base that doesn't care what you charge them i mean <laughs> the laws of of physics are going to kick in and you just well let's just just keep raising and raising and raising it um one last question um some people have had thought or expected foolishly so that once a lot of this went online that that would really bring the cost down because now, you know, if it's online, you don't need these big sprawling campuses and all of these new buildings. And if students could learn online, it would bring the cost down for everybody. But yet what we're finding is that an online degree isn't really much different in cost than the in-person degree. No, it really is not. Um, I haven't looked closely at these online degrees, but by and large, the only thing that you're saving is in housing costs. And so, um, you know, that's a pretty small part of the cost of attendance 
um, maybe 10 or 15%, maybe even less these days. So, yeah, the colleges have found a way to um, to go online, but certainly not pass the savings on to the students. Yeah, and, and like you pointed out, uh, I, I have an idea for a book, which uh, if I ever become terminally ill, I'll write the book because I know some, someone will try to kill me <laughs> after I publish it. It's <laughs> the, Here's the title for a book that, that I want to write someday called Nonprofit Millionaires. And I want to just write a book and like it'll have maybe like 100 chapters, like small chapters, and each chapter will just outline a different person who's running a nonprofit, including college presidents that are making millions of dollars and just sort of exposing this and saying, you know, because you wonder, like, if, if a college is paying, uh, you know, uh, the, the president a million dollars, so they couldn't find anyone that would do that same job for a half a million dollars. They had to pay a million dollars. And you look at these boards and there are a lot of the same board members for years and even decades decades. And it seems like some families are just getting filthy rich off of these nonprofits, even big ones like like getting out of the college realm, but like Goodwill and some of these other names that, you know, the, the American Heart Association and the Cancer uh, Association, all these big organizations. And then you, you drill down and it's like, well, these are good organizations, but let's look at how much the top people are making. And it's like, millions of dollars St. Jude's you know hospital I mean these are like good organizations but yet they have the money to pay out seven figures uh, to the top people it's just craziness you know Jim you hit the nail on that's a far bigger issue but I could not agree with you more some of the games I have seen in the nonprofit industry you know not you say nonprofit and people think oh it's a homeless shelter it's a soup kitchen it's you know helping people who really need the help well I can point you to student loan companies that rape and pillage and, and play all the games that I've been describing for the past hour, and they are nonprofits. <laughs> <laughs> like Fed loan, Fed loan Servicing, for example, is a nonprofit under the Pennsylvania Higher Education Assistance Agency. So uh, there are nonprofits worth their weight. And there are probably 90% of the other nonprofits that are only in it for the tax break. And they do the minimum amount possible to qualify for that nonprofit tax exemption. And it is just disgusting how our nonprofit laws have been abused in the student loan industry and beyond, no doubt. And we'll close it out with your website here, student, I'm sorry, student loan, studentloanjustice.org, studentloanjustice.org. Is this a newer design of your website? It's really nice. Yes, thanks. Thanks to a company called Awareness Digital, Digital who pro bono redesigned our website. Uh, we now have a new layout, and um, I'm actually still working on it a little bit to get the get it up to snuff. But um, yeah, it's a new layout. Um, now I should probably say we do most of our most of the action with our group uh, is on Facebook. So if people go to Facebook slash groups slash SLJ group, um, that's the best way to find us and to keep current on what we're doing. It's a pretty exciting time here in Iowa, and you know, over time, we're going to get through to at least a few of these candidates, and uh, and hopefully we'll make some make some noise on the Republican side as well. So it's a pretty exciting time to be involved, and uh, you know, if people really want justice, uh, we're really pretty much the only grassroots group in the country that's that's actually fighting this fight. And we could certainly use their help, and, and they could certainly uh, use ours. Studentloanjustice.org is the website, Student Loan 
studentloanjustice.org. Alan Collins, the founder of Student Loan Justice. Thank you so much, sir. We hope you'll come back and visit again soon. Well, thank you, Jim. I hope so, too. I'm looking, looking forward to it. God bless. All right. God bless. Wow. What a great interview. And I have to tell you, you know, it's it's just one of those things where it's just something. It seems like every young person does it. Let's just go sign up for the student loans, not worry about it, because down the road, they'll, they'll be forgiven through loan forgiveness or I'll be making so much money. I'll be able to pay them off. But uh, having shows like this every so often is a good reminder that there are some major major reasons to not go down that road and to really think carefully about what you're doing, especially if you're a parent or a grandparent and you're considering uh, co-signing and all of that. Hey, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. Thank you so much for joining us. So long, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.